Good morning. So today, as I think most of you are probably aware, this is the last full day of our retreat together. And it's possible that some of you might have been noticing a range of different reactions to the fact that this retreat is almost over. Perhaps there's some excitement or anticipation, looking forward to leaving. Or maybe some agitation, anxiety, dreading having to go. Or some steadiness, calm, openness, appreciation, curiosity. Or perhaps moving through many of those different reactions at times. So probably quite likely that there might be some surface ripples of different responses and reactions. But underneath those, or perhaps surrounding those, there might also be some degree of equanimity, of steadiness, of stability, non-reactivity, of balance in the face of these constantly changing conditions. Now, if perhaps you don't feel to have much equanimity right now, that's okay. Because yes, this retreat is almost over, but there are still 24 hours where we can keep orienting to and strengthening this quality of equanimity. Because equanimity is a quality that's extremely valuable, not only here on retreat, but in daily life too. So just as we started this retreat by orienting to the heart quality of dana, of generosity, you might like to think of today as being equanimity day. So we'll be exploring that soon, but first just a little bit more information about what equanimity actually is and where it fits in the context of the practice frameworks that we've been exploring on this retreat. So I don't know how closely any any of you have been tracking the numbered lists that we've been going through in the instructions. But if you were, you might have been wondering, what's the fourth Brahmavihara? And what's the seventh awakening factor? So no prizes for guessing. <laughs> in both cases, it's equanimity. So in terms of the metaphor of the two wings to awakening, we can think of equanimity as being a kind of hinge point between them both. It's a very powerful quality that we can develop as an aspect of insight practice and also as a culmination of the four Brahma-Vihara. So just as a very simple definition to begin with, equanimity is the capacity of our hearts and minds to stay steady and balanced, even in the face of life's inevitable ups and downs, in the face of all of life's changes and challenges. And so recently I've been thinking of one definition of equanimity or synonym for equanimity is elasticity. Elasticity as that quality of resilience, flexibility, adaptability, that allows us to bend rather than break when things change. And in the context of the suttas, one of the images that's used to convey the steadiness and the stability of equanimity is the image of a mountain. 
A mountain remains unmoving even as wind and rain and snowstorms might batter it. And similarly, there's the image of the sky that's unaffected by any of the changing weather conditions that move through it. We've seen a few different weather conditions on this retreat. Sun and wind, rain, heat, cold, back to sun. And if we want any of those conditions to stay the same, we're going to suffer. So this morning I'd like to explore equanimity, partly because it is such a powerful resource as this retreat comes to an end. It's a quality that can help to smooth out any of those ripples of reactivity as we start contemplating, preparing to leave this beautiful sanctuary and this sangha that we've created together. Now, as many of you have experienced through your practice here over these nine days, what supports equanimity to arise is the clear seeing that comes from insight. In fact, the Pali word that's usually translated as equanimity is upekka, which literally means to look over, to be in a position to see the bigger picture instead of just being caught in our own narrow viewpoint. And this clear seeing or understanding rests on our understanding of the universal characteristics of impermanence and anatta, not self, that I spoke of last night. So in relation to impermanence, equanimity comes from opening to the truth that everything changes. So when we're cultivating equanimity as a Brahma-Vihara practice, we use a set of phrases that traditionally highlight the truth of impermanence. So just as a few examples from Western insight teachers. May I learn to see the arising and passing of all things with equanimity and balance. That's from Jack Cornfield. May I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. That's Sharon Salzberg. And may I accept and open to how it is right now, because this is how it is right now. And that's Kamala Masters. And in that last phrase, I appreciate how Kamala says, This is how it is right now. So she's pointing to the truth that everything changes. And rather than accepting, oh, this is just how it is, with a kind of defeated resignation, you understand this is how it is right now. And by implication, it's going to change. So orienting to the truth of anicca, of impermanence, it helps to lessen reactivity. Because we know this too shall pass. Which also is a very useful equanimity phrase. And then a second powerful support for cultivating equanimity is orienting to anatta, not self. The understanding that all experiences arise due to causes and conditions. It's not personal. It's not our fault, and we don't have to identify with any of it. 
And I spoke about this last night, how identification, taking things personally, is a core creator of suffering. So the U.S. Dharma teacher Shin Zen Young, he came up with a simple mathematical formula to describe what suffering is. And he uses the formula S equals P times R. Suffering equals pain multiplied by resistance. S equals P times R, resistance. And in my own practice, I've adapted that formula a little bit, changed it to S equals P times I. Suffering equals pain multiplied by identification. S equals P times I. So we might get a sense of that, of how identification tends to amplify our pain, enhance the suffering of it. However, as I was exploring last night, that tendency to just take ownership of everything, have all experience refer back to me at the center of it all, that just seems so fundamental to how we relate to the world that the understanding of anatta is pretty counterintuitive to most people. This habit of self-constructing, self-referencing is pretty much the water that we swim in. And we don't recognize how stressful it is until we have a taste of what it's like when that constant self-preoccupation stops and we experience ease, relief, peace, even if just for a moment or two. So coming back to equanimity, one of the tools that we can play with to help support a less identified relationship with experience is to change the inner language that we use to describe what's going on to ourselves. And we can change that inner language to take out all personal pronouns. So no I, no me, no my, no mine. And grammatically, this is what's known as passive voice construction. So, for example, instead of sitting and telling ourselves, oh, my back hurts, I'm in so much pain, I can't stand this, when can I go home? Instead of that inner language, it might be more like this. Ah, pain is being known sensations of pulling and burning and stabbing being known. Yep, unpleasant feeling tones being known. Not liking it is like this. Aversion is like this. Ah, and a moment of relief is like this. So I wonder if you sense the difference energetically between those two ways of describing experience. And as you play with this in your own practice, you might start to notice that when there's a lot of I-based language, how often that creates contraction, tightening, clinging, bracing, resisting. 
The opposite's also true. To the extent that we can reduce that language that reinforces the central sense of I and me and my and mine, to that extent the more space and ease we usually experience. So in the next meditation I'd like to play with some of those different ways of strengthening equanimity. And it'll be based on the practice of choiceless attention that Dai introduced a couple of days ago. And then I'll just occasionally bring in some phrases to help support that quality of openness, spaciousness, acceptance, equanimity. So we'll give that a try in a moment. But again, this practice is optional. So it's possible that for some of you, just staying with more quiet, with more silence, might feel to be more beneficial. So if that's true for you, you can feel free to leave and to just do whatever form of practice might feel best for you now. <laughs> 